Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandysfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. This week, my guest is Kate Milney, a specialist in healthy aging and workplace well-being, as well as a women's health and aging researcher. Her company, Cardia Health Consulting, is a health promotion firm focused on a lifespan approach to health. Kate specializes in helping clients to support, retain, and recruit midlife and older team members by using an age-friendly and equity lens in well-being programs. Here is our conversation. Kate, it's a pleasure welcoming you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I always start these conversations with a similar question. And that is if you, you know, if we go back in time and thinking of, of you at a younger age, what did you think you'd be doing uh, for a living? What, what did you imagine you'd have as a career later in life? And was it close to what you're actually doing now or was it something completely not connected? Yeah, so really uh, not connected. Um, when I was younger, I really wanted to be a veterinarian, actually. And I spent most of my childhood sort of building a portfolio for that. But the minute I hit university and realized all of the options that I had, I had a 180 shift. Um, I always wanted to work in health, but I think when I got to university, I realized that I really wanted to work with people in a health setting. So yeah, totally different than when I was younger. And uh, tell me a little bit about kind of figuring out, you know, what you're actually doing as a career now. Was it more of a linear process for you? Were there multiple steps involved? Yeah, there was definitely multiple steps. It's been a bit of a windy path. Um, I started out working with folks with uh, developmental disabilities and moved on from there to working in vocational rehab. So that was my first point of being self-employed. Uh, so that was about 25 years ago, I guess, maybe a little bit longer And I had a really interesting role working on a multidisciplinary team. So I worked on a team with physicians and psychologists. It was quite a big team. And I would go out into the field and work with folks with chronic illness and disability. Mm -hmm. And that was related to workplace. So people who were off work for a long period of time. I did all of the lifestyle um, support for them. So things like exercise programs, nutrition, mm -hmm. relaxation training, sleep training. And I really enjoyed the work and it was really challenging, but I felt like I wasn't making a big enough difference working with people one-on-one -on -one and also at that sort of what we'd call secondary prevention place. So after people had become ill, you know, helping them to get back on track. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to work in more of a preventative role um, with populations of people. I thought I could make a bigger impact at that point. Mm -hmm. And what attracted you to that field in the first place? What was kind of the, you know, the spark that started it all? 
Yeah. So um, I guess a personal note, um, I had a mother who had really poor kind of lifestyle practices that she Mm. didn't take really great care of herself. And honestly, probably from a lifetime of uh, struggling with some mental health issues. And that led her to be quite unhealthy physically as well. So she smoked, she didn't do a lot of exercise, she had poor dietary practices, and unfortunately she had a really long period of disability before she passed away, um, Mm. much too young. Mm. And that was such a, a profound lesson to me on the power of prevention in terms of lifestyle. So After working in rehab and going through this situation with my parent, um, I went back to school. I got two more degrees and pivoted my business to work in health promotion. So health promotion is really focused on supporting people. Uh, We say where they live, work, and play. Mm -hmm. So helping them to become healthier, but thinking about that at a population level. Mm -hmm. So... I very quickly focused on aging and older adults, I think also Mm -hmm. with that experience with my own parent. And I've worked for many, many years in healthy aging and in all sorts of different roles, different projects. Uh, Most recently, I've been working for many years helping cities to plan for an aging population. But I became really interested in working specifically with women Um, after working on a research project for, it was a multi-year research project, looking at the impact again of lifestyle with women, but in, in the earlier stages of aging, so in midlife and beyond. And could we make a, a difference in terms of their trajectory in their health as they got older? And we just had such an amazing experience with that, that it prompted me to go back to my workplace health roots and um, focus on women in the workplace, because that's where you can find populations of women of this age. And um, it's kind of a, a, a dual purpose in that I get to help employers in supporting those really important members of their team, you know, the mentors, the women with all of that institutional knowledge, and a group of people who's leaving the workforce at a really alarming rate uh, Mm -hmm. post-COVID. And then also getting to support those women in terms of their own well-being and their own health. And I want to come back to that, but first I want to ask you, so that transition of becoming an entrepreneur, and even though you've worked in in health and in prevention, uh, you became a business owner. Mm. Um, What was that process like for you? And are there lessons that you apply with clients that you found you had to apply to your own, um, you know, everyday routine and kind of your own approach to uh, finding that balance uh, within your, your, your own wellness strategy? Yeah, that's such kind a great question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, definitely, you know, it's easier to preach than practice. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, as, yeah. <laughs> of course, as a business owner, it's very easy to work way too many hours and really not have good balance because 
you know, you're responsible for a lot of different parts of your business and it's easy to take those parts home and think, well, I'll just do one more thing. Um, I've become pretty disciplined, I think, because I have been self-employed and a business owner for so long that mm-hmm. I really have become pretty disciplined about taking weekends off, uh, a little less so about working too many hours. But again, just learning from clients and learning from my own work with healthy aging that one of the best things that I can do as I get older is take that time to take care of myself, make sure I'm practicing relaxation strategies that I'm focusing on maintaining enough movement and building strength, all of those things that I would recommend also for any other woman of my age who's getting older. Mm-hmm. And while well, you brought up COVID and it's impossible to ignore the impact of the, the pandemic, which has been dragging on for far longer than we first expected, um, what are the main differences you're observing with your clients when it comes to women, their approach to wellness, to self-care, to health in general? And you mentioned the fact that you know they are leaving their workplace in large numbers. We've heard of things like the, the she session, which you know we're not sure if that actually fully materialized, but we know there's been that current of women um, having to take on additional responsibilities around taking care of the home and and the children and so on. Uh, So there there is a reality out there. But I'm curious to know your own observations uh, kind of pre and and post pandemic, or at least now that we are in this, what seems to be this recovery period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think pre pandemic women, um, as you know, take on so many responsibilities that people don't even see. Um, mm-hmm. That we're we're taking on roles as parents and caregivers for elderly parents, mm-hmm. and you know, a million different things at work and volunteering. And we just sort of get on, as my mom used to say, you know, we just carry on. And I think during COVID, because some of those responsibilities became so heightened that a lot of women have hit that point of they're saying something's got to give. And usually, sadly, the something that gives is their work. Uh, What I'm seeing and what holds up in the numbers and the research is that women are leaving the workforce at this stage in life, at midlife and beyond, in really Mm -hmm. alarming numbers. But if you look at the impact of COVID, there's not only responsibilities around uh, parenting, there's also four times as many women who have taken time to care give a relative during COVID. So the impact of that is enormous and really can't be ignored. I mean, prior to COVID, two thirds of informal caregivers in Canada are women and informal means unpaid. That means Mm -hmm. work that we're doing as well as our jobs. And Mm -hmm. when we add COVID into that mix and we think about our older adults in care settings and um, the impact that COVID has had, I would hazard a guess that it's women that have picked up the slack on a lot of those caregiving responsibilities. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting and indeed alarming. 
This season of The Brennis Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance to give to women in business. Um, and in working with employers and companies, and we have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners who, who listen to our, our conversations on the podcast, why, why is it so important for employers to take on that responsibility? And sometimes for smaller companies, it may not be obvious to, you know, invest in making sure they care for their employees' health and, you know, uh, take into account concerns such as women and aging. But why, why does it matter? I think we're at this point uh, post-COVID and really even pre-COVID where there are a number of different things going on. So we have a labor shortage. Everybody's aware of that yeah. already. And that was happening prior to COVID. It's just been, I think, highlighted a little bit more post-COVID. But that was already going on. Um, Prime-aged workers, so those are people between the ages of 25 and 54, had already been leaving the workforce at the highest rates in in a very long time. Um, there are one in eight men are no longer in the workforce in that age category, and that's higher than mm. during the Depression. I mean, it's wow. enormous. And on top of that, women have also been leaving at very high rates. But, but pre-COVID, even though folks had been leaving – the majority in the workplace had both men and women were pretty stable in terms of their intent to stay. Mm -hmm. But post-COVID, that has um, changed substantially. So the intent for women in mid-level management, so we know a lot of those women are in midlife, the intent for those women to stay in the workforce has dropped by 22%. So it's huge. Wow. So mm -hmm. there's that piece. There's the labor shortage, and then you have an overlay of population aging. So the population is getting older, and people will have different needs in the workforce as uh, the population ages. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. just recognizing that this group, this midlife and older group of women, they were really instrumental in holding things together at work while mm. COVID was happening, while the big lockdown was happening. And they have a tremendous amount of institutional knowledge. They are the mentors for the women coming into the workforce. They're a really in important part of the team. And a lot of the things that are going on in the lives of women in this age group, they don't talk about a lot. And mm -hmm. so when they end up in a position that they can do things like take early retirement, which women do, they retire on average three years earlier than men. Many times they're doing that because they have other responsibilities that they have to attend to. And mm -hmm. so I really think the, the key piece here is around awareness, um, understanding what's going on for women in that in that group. And not to mention there's menopause, 
There's chronic disease risk that goes up pretty substantially around menopause. So women are facing those things as well. But it, I think that's just a, a key population that we need to focus on to maintain a really important part of our workforce, um, especially when you have this confluence of so many things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to I want to talk about mental health too because um, I think we often at least. I think one of the, I hate to use the term silver lining around the, the pandemic, but we, we have had more conversations about mental health and the fact that we can't, we can't ignore it any longer. And there, you know, there, there has to be more conversations about uh, employees, people in the workforce, for employers, you know, uh, prioritizing the mental well-being of their employees in, in addition to the physical health of their employees. Um in your opinion, are we closer to, um, you know, kind of kind of putting the two at the, at the same level on our order of priority? It's easier, obviously, to notice physical health and to even in ourselves to, uh, you know, to address any ailments or at least notice the ailments. But when it comes to mental health, it's a lot more subtle and the signs are easily ignored. Um, is that something that you tackle in your work with employers? And do you think we are progressing on that front? Yeah, boy, that's a great question. Um, I don't think you can separate physical and mental health, quite honestly. I understand, you know, it's a it's a separate piece, of course, that we look at mental health as something that um, can be treated separately. And absolutely, I mean, mental health is a bit outside of my scope of practice, but it's been an area that I've worked in consistently throughout my career because a lot of the work that I do is changing behavior. So changing mm-hmm. behavior around lifestyle or helping to change behavior around lifestyle. And subsequently, that change in behavior has an impact on mental health. So we know people who are exercising, are um, they have better management of many of the leading causes of uh, or the leading mental illness. So things like anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, we know people who are, you know, getting proper sleep are doing better. We know people who are managing stress are doing better. And I really don't want to make a claim that it's causal, that if we're doing these things that somehow, you know, we're causing our own mental health issues, it's a way bigger issue than that. But I think those things are all interrelated. And so when employers think about health, I hope that they're looking at all of the pieces. So social Mm -hmm. health and uh, emotional or mental health and um, physical health, you know, things like financial health even. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. really, really thinking holistically about employee health or employee well-being, I think is really, really important. Are we moving ahead? I, I think we have a lot more awareness of the impact of mental health concerns and the prevalence. I think people are talking a lot more openly about it now. And I hope we're moving forward on it a bit. We're still you know, missing some key pieces um, like universal mental health coverage in Canada, yeah, for instance, course. would be... Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So people are not having to seek out treatment that's costly. But mm-hmm. I think overall, we're definitely moving forward. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think is the difference between how, between how women approach health in general, including physical and mental, and how men approach it? Yeah, women, well, I think there's two pieces to that. I think women prioritize everybody else's health typically yeah. first. They, they you know, make sure that their kids are healthy and their kids are eating properly or they're, you know, the people that they're caregiving are, are doing well and are healthier. And then they sort of say, well, I'll get to myself later. So we don't tend to prioritize in the same way. I think the one thing that women do really well, though, is that we reach out to other people. So one thing that we know just from an aging perspective that women do differently is women don't tend to isolate as much as men do. So mm. when men become ill or they become disabled, they tend to be more isolated um, than women. So women are quite good at that social health piece, which is extremely important and a piece, again, that we don't focus on a lot, but that impact of social health. And I think we can all see that during this last few years, how important it is mm -hmm. for us to have Absolutely. those key social connections. Mm. And then, um, so for employers, business owners who are looking to invest in the long-term well-being of their employees and who want to put you know, a plan in place to care for their employees' health and, and well-being at work, including taking into account women in aging and you know, every aspect of, uh, of wellness, where's a, a good place to start? Where should they begin? Yeah, so I think I would look for suppliers who have a good foundation in what we would call evidence-based approaches. So thinking about suppliers that really understand the science and the research around the programs that they're delivering. And what I mean by that is having programs that really are outcome focused. So we know that in the research or in um, the, the supporting information that those programs that we're putting in place really do make a difference to both the employee, but then also have that benefit for the employer. So they have some sort of outcome that's been established in advance. So if you're putting a physical activity program in place, is that one that's appropriate for preventing chronic disease? Um, if you are putting a nutrition program in place, is that one that we can see is one that's really well supported in the literature? And I think that's really, really important, having those suppliers that have a good understanding of an evidence-based approach. Mm, great advice. And then my favorite question to ask guests on the show, and you've kind of answered part of it already, but I'll see if you're if you have a different answer, if you come back to points that you've brought up uh, already. Uh, what is one thing you wish women would do more of and what's one thing you wish women would do less of? Wow. Yeah. Great question. Uh, more of, I think, of course, I wish women would prioritize themselves a bit more um, and maybe be a little less hard on themselves. I have to mm -hmm. say when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with women, I'm always surprised by how hard they are on themselves about where they are. So a lot of women will come to me and say, oh, I've gained this weight and, you know, I know I should be doing more and I've done all of these things that have contributed to me gaining weight or, you know, or my, you know, lack of exercise. And I always say to them, you know, it's been a tough few years for all of us. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily all your fault. So I think that focus on um, some self-compassion and mm-hmm. self-care is so key. And not thinking about when I finish doing all of these things, I will take care of myself. I think you have to make that priority to take care of yourself now. And mm-hmm. even if it's just a tiny amount, even if it's just a little bit more movement, even if it's just one small change, it all makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So I think the the question about less of is being, you know, l- less hard on ourselves and more self-care and self-kindness. Mm. Well, all great advice. And uh, I hope women who listen to us will put that into uh, into work this year and, and in, in coming months as we all need to be a little more gentle with ourselves, especially through these times. Uh, thank you so much, Kate. We'll link up uh, your your profile and, and you know, the, the website where we can learn more about your business for anybody who's interested. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.